Revelation chapter 22 is where we are today. We've been walking through the book of Revelation now. Today is week 25. And let me just kind of address why you're uh, sitting here in rows if you're wondering what in the world happened. And I really am glad to see Ron and Leon sitting on the same row together today. I was afraid that that friendship was forever damaged after the way that LSU-Auburn game went down yesterday. But Leon and my, how the mighty have fallen, my brother. But... Nevertheless, we're just all glad we have a football season, aren't we, right? I know, listen, um, so today, this is right now, you are sitting in the 99th live worship service we've done since we've been under COVID protocols. When we started dealing with this pandemic, uh, it was our conviction that this was not a time to do less, but to do more, but to find good and wise ways to try to do more. And so we, we, we did four worship services for quite some time, and so today, this is the 99th service now under these protocols. The 11 o'clock hour will be the 100th service that we've had together live, which is a praise to our God, um, and in particular, praising Him for His people that have made that happen to facilitate all that. It's, it takes a small army to do that, and so we're just blessed, and we praise the Lord for that. When we started back in this room together, we started at 30% seating capacity, then we went to 40% seating capacity, and then we went to 50% seating capacity, and today we're actually at 60% seating capacity. And the reason we bumped it up was not necessarily because we were running out of space at 50%, but we wanted to get the, the rows put back in here really for this reason mainly. It's because we had discovered that getting people to their seats where there were no defined rows meant that we had gotten to the place with 50% of the seats in here. We were kind of weaving people through a maze of chairs to get to a seat and so we just came to the realization it seemed a lot more wise to set the rows back in place and it's easier to sort of navigate the room that way there's another reason too in my heart and that's this uh, I just think it's important that as much as we can um, this needs to feel like home uh, it needs to feel like the place that you can breathe and you can rest and you can worship the Lord and you can fellowship together and so I think today for a lot of you uh, you walked in and you saw the setup and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, Rose, I remember that. That's cool. And so we actually have, you know, some families sharing a row together today. And that's nice. So all I would ask you is that when you come in, because soon we're not going to guide you to your seats anymore. If, if things for us stay as safe as they've been here soon, we'll just kind of point you in a general direction and you just kind of. You know, because we want you to be free to be able to do that as much as possible. We would just ask that you just keep, you know, a seat or two between families. And that, that would be helpful if you would do your best to do that. You don't really probably really need after 235 days, 15 days to flatten the curve. You probably don't need me to give you instructions today, right, about how to do that. But I just need to, to say, ask, ask you to help us do that if you would. And, and as always, we still have the 1% rule in place, too, which is simply this. If 1% of today's worshipers test positive this week, then we'll shut everything down for a week. So if there's 600 people today, all it's going to take is six cases this week. And so far, over 25 weeks, we've not had to do that. And so we, again, give God the glory for that. We praise Him for that. But that rule is there because we uh, don't know what this season may look like as we're going into it. We're watching countries shut down again. There's talk in our nation again, I know, and we're not really sure where it's going. So we want to have that plan in place so that we can um, prevent a breakout from happening in our church. So we're going to continue to keep that rule in place, uh, which means that um, it's going to, we, we're going to contact our church family to let you know. You contact us if you need to let us know something. 
Uh, but if you're a guest with us as well, you're not in our database maybe to get that information. So this is where it would be important for us each week on that little flyer that I held up a while ago. There's a place you can write your name. If you're cool with it, we would really appreciate if you just put your name and a contact information there and drop it in the box. So if we had that 1% rule, we could contact you to let you know, hey, by the way, because we want you to have all the knowledge that you can possibly have. So, of course, all this is subject to change. As you know, uh, we've only kind of made it up two weeks at a time through all of this. Uh, so all of this could change, and we recognize that. We realize that. Um, but I do think by now you pretty well know what to do to try to be as safe as you can possibly be. I think probably the most important thing you can do is if you don't feel 100%, that'd be a good day to live stream, okay? Uh, so just remember that, consider that. And as you can probably imagine, every time we've tweaked things here a little bit, it's met with some measure of disagreement. And I'm sure today will be met with some measure of disagreement. But I just got to say, look at where we've been, 235 days. And I think it's really evident that God's hand has been on us. And so we praise him for that and we thank him for that. And, but I, again, I know we won't agree on that. But let's talk about something we can't all agree on today. And that would be politics. <laughs> I knew that would get your attention. Um, so I'll tell you this out of the gate. When I came on staff here, President Clinton was in office. So I've been here through a lot of administrations now. And not one single time have I ever stood here and said, let me tell you who to vote for. And today, I'm not going to tell you who you ought to vote for. I, I want to talk about something that, while that's incredibly important, and you would honor the Lord as the citizen of this, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, you would honor the Lord, I believe, by going and doing what you ought to do Tuesday if you haven't done it already, and that's by participating in the process, and you need to do that in a way that's right and honoring to the Lord, full of prayer, full of His Holy Spirit, um, and, and stri striving to honor Him, again, in all that you do. Pastor Will likes to say, even if you're drinking a glass of orange juice, do it for the glory of God. And I would agree with that. And that's how we need to approach everything um, this Tuesday as you go to the polls. But here's what needs to be said. And this is where it may get a little controversial. But there's a lot of you, I think, that are thinking that after Tuesday, the world is suddenly going to go back to normal, whatever your definition of normal is. And, and listen, I'll be honest, um, I really wish that you were right because I miss, I tell my family a lot, I miss the old world. Uh, I was probably whining and complaining about the world in February, but I would take February right now in a New York hiccup, right? Uh, I do um, kind of struggle with a lot of the things that have been going on, and uh, those of you who have a more personal, private relationship with me, you're more aware of that than those of you who maybe the only time you hear me talk is when I'm standing here. Um, but I got to say, I think what we're experiencing in our world right now is bigger than this election. I think it's bigger than this nation that we're living in. I think what's going on in the world right now is bigger than this pandemic. There is actually, and this is not like black helicopter stuff, um, there is, and this is out in the open, it's in the light, this massive worldwide concerted effort taking place that wants to use all of these changes that, that COVID has now brought about across the world to, to use this as an opportunity to, in their words, reset the globe, the global reset or the great reset. And those who champion this vision 
of, of the Great Reset or the Global Reset, they envision a world that they would say by the year 2030 is a world that brings equality and peace and health and security to the world. And, and those who are championing this vision, this global reset, claim that this will be a world where both humanity and the environment are going to reach a place of flourishing like we've never seen before in our lifetimes. And listen, we are, as God's people, we want to lead the charge for human flourishing. We, we want to be salt and light in this world and do all that we can do to make it a better place. However, I just think the way they want to see that happen and the way we understand that can happen only through Christ, they stand in stark contrast to each other. Now, again, this isn't anything that I'm making up, and this isn't a politically motivated talk today. This is coming from a guy who looked at Time magazine, and, and, and I brought a picture in. I'll put it on the screen so you can see that. Just this past week, Time magazine partnered with an organization called the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum has millions of followers on their Twitter account. Um, it's an organization that I've been watching uh, for some time. I would encourage you to pay a little bit of attention to that. Uh, you can Google them. You can find that if you, if you trust Google. Um, then Google that, and you can go and you can uh, check out the World Economic Forum if you want to do that. They partnered with Time Magazine last week to, if you'll put that back up there so we can see that, see the title of the edition from last week, The Great Reset. Let me put that picture back up there. There. Good try. There we go. There it is. I think that might actually be, uh, the date on that may say October the 23rd. So Time partnered with this organization called the uh, World Economic Forum for the purpose of casting a vision to the whole world of what this new global society could look like. And I'll read to you the last paragraph of just one of the articles that the leaders of the World Economic Forum wrote. This the title of this article is, It's 2023, Here's How We Fixed the Global Economy. And the last paragraph of that article says this, The COVID-19 pandemic took so much from us and lives lost and livelihoods shattered. But it also presented us with an opportunity to reshape our global economy. And we overcame our pain and trauma to unite and seize the moment to secure a better future for all. It was the only thing that we could do. There's a lot of interesting articles in that publication from last week, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time today diving into what these world leaders are planning to do. Again, as always, I encourage you to do your own research. You know me well enough to know I don't stand here and talk about a lot of current events. I don't do politics here. Usually I dive in verse by verse by verse, and here we go. But it's important that you study some things for yourself, read some things for yourself. I'm not trying to tell you what to think or what believe, but I'm telling you, this, this is not hidden anymore. It's on the cover of Time magazine. And these issues are important, but let's keep it in context. For us as Christ followers, these issues are not of most importance. Amen? Not most important at all. 
I am thankful beyond words today that I have the freedom to go and vote in a presidential election Tuesday. I live in the greatest nation on the face of the planet. It may be the greatest nation that has ever existed on the face of the planet. It may be the greatest nation that will ever exist on the face of this planet. And, and so I'm not going to tell you a lot today about how you ought to interpret some of these things going on around us. What I will tell you is that man, be it the World Economic Forum or whoever it is, thinking that he can achieve for himself some type of utopian world apart from God, apart from redemption and freedom and forgiveness from sin that's found in Jesus Christ, the idea that we can achieve some type of global utopia is not anything new. It was the same spin that Satan brought into the Garden of Eden, is it not? With Adam and Eve, you really don't have to do life God's way. You, you can do it your own way on your own terms and it'll work out even better for you. And again, we as God's people, we want to do our part to improve our world and, and, and see things improved in every segment of our society, but we differ with this effort that we see going on in our world right now with how to bring it about. As Christ followers, we believe that we can ultimately only see this world be better and lives be better and humans actually flourish only through redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know that the problem is our hearts. Our hearts are evil and wicked and we need salvation from Christ and from Christ alone and any momentary glimpses that we may get of a better society we know that apart from Jesus Christ those advancements are only short-lived that every man and woman and boy and girl needs to know Jesus the secular humanists believe that the world can become better without God in fact a lot of the secular humanists believe that People like me and you who actually would claim to love God, that it's our ideology that sort of stands in the way of society becoming a better place. The secular humanist doesn't believe that sin is the great problem. They believe that the idea that man by nature is corrupt and sinful and in need of a savior is faulty thinking. They believe that man by nature is good and kind and just. And it's hard to prove that. Now, I, I do believe that we are living in a very unique time in God's redemptive plan. I, and you can disagree, and that's okay. I do believe we are in the opening scenes of watching our planet change in some pretty dramatic ways. Is it going to happen? Is it about to happen? Are we about to see the entire world reset financially, politically, socially? I don't know that for sure, but I'm leaning heavy toward yes. Here's what I know. If, if you believe God's word, if you believe the book of Revelation that we've been walking through for the last 25 weeks, 
From God's word, we know clearly there is coming a day that the global system will be totally reset. That it will be under the authority of a leading world figure that's going to emerge. That there's going to be this promise of peace and prosperity and unity amongst all people. We know from God's word that that is going to happen one day. The book of Revelation paints a picture of a one world globally united society, united in commerce, united in politics, united even in religion. And the book of Revelation also reveals to us the power that is at work behind that world. Now, look, I I don't know what's going to happen Tuesday. You need to go vote. It's important. You need to do that. A great price has been paid for you and I to exercise that freedom and that liberty. Listen, this is not an opportunity here where I'm trying to say, let's all despair and let's just go climb up on the rooftop and wait for Jesus to come back and not do anything. Oh, contrary. Give me a moment. I'm about to get into the message and it is complete opposite of all that. I hope you'll be involved. I hope everybody in our country that can be, should be, will be. But I don't know who's going to win. I don't know how soon a global reset may happen. I don't have all the answers to that, although I believe we're moving rapidly toward it. So I don't want to go on and spend a whole lot more time talking about things that I don't know. I want to talk more today about what I do know. Here's what I do know. Everything that God has revealed in His Word is true. In particular, in our study of the book of Revelation, everything that God has revealed in the book of Revelation is true. It's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. Amen? His wrath is going to be poured out against all sin. Amen? He is going to conquer Satan and his puppets. Amen? He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and He is redeeming unto Himself men and women from every tongue and tribe and nation. Do you believe that? Who one day are going to live with Him forever in a new heaven and a new earth. you believe that today? If you, I know we're living in a crazy world, but if you want to be crazy in a crazy world, just start believing some of that. We'll be the crazy ones. and You can sign me up all day for that kind of crazy. All that is going to happen, and I believe it's going to happen soon. And because I believe it's going to happen, and because I believe it's going to happen soon, what the study of the book of Revelation has brought me to now as your pastor is to say, okay, Lord, I know you have said it in your word. Therefore, it really doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me right now because your word is the final word. But God, even on top of what your word says, I'm looking around at the world around me and I am feeling this sense of urgency in my bones. And I don't know how much time I may have left. I don't know if God may call me home today. Jesus, I don't know if you're coming back today, but I just feel it in my bones that you are up to something big, that something in the redemptive history of God is about to just brew over and flow over. And so my question before you, Lord, today is this, what would you have me to do right now how in light of what your word says in particular what the book of revelation says in light of all that how would you have me right now to live my life if i got one more day or if i'm gonna as i tell my wife my my, one of my hidden goals is one day i want to be the oldest person on the planet i want to outlive 
all of y'all, some of y'all younger than me, which is now the majority of y'all. But uh, anyway, I don't know that I really want to do that. But, but I'm asking the Lord, what do you want from us right now? How should we live? And so that's the question real fast I want us to address today. How should we live our lives until he comes? That's what Revelation chapter 22, beginning with verse 6, brings us to today. I'll give you a couple of things to think about. How should we live now in these crazy days that we're living in? How should we live in light of what God's word says? Number one, we need to live with wisdom. Live with wisdom. Let me help you understand what wisdom is. First of all, wisdom believes the word of God. Believes it. Look at verse 6, chapter 22. The angel's still talking to John, and he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. Believe it. John, by virtue, this now flows down to me and you today. Believe it, pastor. Believe it, people. These words from God in his word are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. John's being told, thus saith the Lord, take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Everything that we've read about in this book, in the book of Revelation, John has told and we are told it's going to happen. Now, I can understand why maybe 100 years ago, 500 years ago, people might have read the book of Revelation and kind of scratched their head and thought, well, how's that going to go now? How's that going to happen? How's the whole world going to come together as one society? How's there going to be one leader over all that? How's all that going to happen? I could understand where they might scratch their head. Are we kind of over scratching our heads with this right now? It's, and I know maybe you're thinking, but I think people have thought that all along. But I think we really got good reason to be thinking. Holy smokes. Well, we got peace treaties coming out the eyeballs with Israel going down right now, right? We got all kinds of fascinating things going on in our world Right now, if there's ever been a generation that can read the book, that can read God's word and read the book of Revelation and look at the world around them and say, yeah, I can see how this is happening or could happen. Would it not be our generation? And the fact is, let me be clear about this. We don't need what's going on in the world to match up with God's word for us to believe it. God's word's the final authority. If it makes sense with what's going on around us, or if it doesn't make sense with what's going on around us, it is the truth. It is unchanging. Now, you can choose not to believe God's word, but I'm here to tell you today that would be the most foolish way to live your life. How should we be living in these crazy days in light of God's word? We need to be living with wisdom. And wisdom says, I'm going to believe that God's word is true, that it's trustworthy. Listen, I want you to know your pastor, maybe more than ever, is all in when it comes to God's word. I'm all in when it comes to the book of Revelation. I'm all in. I'm banking on it. I, I, I want my life to be built on it and nothing less. I have zero doubts in my mind that God is going to do exactly what God has said he's going to do. What about you? Is, is God's word your source today for truth? Or where do you turn for truth? You, you turn into CNN for truth? Fox? You turn in, some of you like, oh, Fox. Are you turning to Fox for truth? Where are you going for truth? The media? The world experts? 
Is the Word of God the lens for your life through which you are interpreting your life, your family, your world, the world around you? Or, or is it social media? Is that determining how you understand the world? Is the Word of God your final authority? Or maybe, maybe you're the smart guy. You know all the facts, you got all the information, you got all the knowledge. And so it's your knowledge and your opinion that you're living by, that you're trusting in. Maybe that's your final authority for your life. Well, how should the people of God be living their lives? Our final authority is the Word of God. Do we trust the Word of God? We should be living with wisdom, and wisdom believes the Word of God above everything else. Even when it doesn't make sense, because we know this was breathed out of the lungs of God. It is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, authoritative word from God. Is that you? Are you walking in that kind of wisdom today? Are you trusting the word of God like that today? Man, I pray you are. I hope you are. I pray I am. But if I'm honest, I think there's a lot of so-called followers of Jesus today that aren't living Trusting, walking according to God's word. I, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of so-called Christ followers today who sound a lot more like what Paul describes in Ephesians chapter four. Listen to this, verse eleven. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's what I want you to get, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Does this sound familiar? And carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. I pray, Grace Life, that in these days we will not be children tossed to and fro by the latest unbiblical and ungodly propaganda. I pray that in these crazy days, Grace Life, we will not be people who Blow in the wind with whatever the latest spin may be. Grace Life, I pray that our eyes would be open to see the cunning and the craftiness and the deceitful schemes of the enemy that are at work all around us. You know how to avoid all that? You stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. It's that simple. That's how we should be living with wisdom. Here's the second thing about wisdom. Not only does wisdom believe the word of God, but wisdom obeys the word of God. It's not enough just to believe it. You've got to put action to it. Verse 7, and behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word. He just said this word is trustworthy and it's true. And now he says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. James says, faith without works is dead. You can believe it's true all you want, but until you live it out, it's no good to you. In other words, the biblical principles that we find in the book of Revelation have got to be lived out in our lives. Now, you may be thinking, biblical principles in the book of Revelation? 
The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. There's not a lot of biblical principles for living in the book of Revelation. I would disagree. All you got to do is go back, go back to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. When Jesus is addressing the seven churches, those two chapters, Bryce, are packed full of principles by which to live our lives in these crazy days that we're living. You can do this later today yourself. It won't take you long. I did it the other day. I wrote my list down. I read chapter 2 and 3, and every time I found a principle, what Jesus was saying, how his people ought to live in these days that we're living in, I wrote it down. Here's my list. Labor for Jesus. Endure for Jesus. Hate evil. Discern truth from error. Persevere. Endure hardships for the sake of the name of Jesus. Don't grow weary. Don't lose your love for Jesus. Repent. Listen to the Spirit. Endure affliction, poverty, and slander. Don't be afraid to suffer. Be faithful even to death. Hold on to the name of Jesus. Don't deny the faith. Don't tolerate unbiblical teaching. Be full of love. Be full of faith. Full of service and endurance. Be alert. Keep God's word. Don't deny God's name. Don't be lukewarm. Don't forget that you need God. Hear Jesus' knock. Let him in and fellowship with him. Two chapters. Nothing but Jesus going, here's how you should live. In the world that you're living in. If we'll do those things, we'll be walking in wisdom in these days. So how do we live in light of this book? How do we live in light of the times that we're living in? One, with wisdom. Two, live in worship. Live in worship. Look at verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, what things? Revelation 1, Jesus walking around the lampstands. Revelation 4 and 5, God seated on the throne, the glorious angels, all the apocalyptic stuff that he's seen, all right? So John is saying, and when I heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So look, John said, I have seen everything that the book of Revelation has laid out, and I couldn't take it anymore. I collapsed on my knees and on my face in awe, humbled, in worship before this angel. Now listen, John's response is right. What person in their right mind is going to see and hear everything that the book of Revelation lays out and just stand there going, okay, cool. Awesome. Nice. For real? No. He collapsed. His heart was moved to worship. But here was the problem. For just a moment, John misplaced his worship. I wish I could say that I'm guilty of only in brief moments misplacing my worship. But the reality is, across my lifetime, the evidence proves I'm a chronic, I'm a person who chronically misplaces my worship. I chronically give my mind's attention and heart's affection to something besides God. Listen, it is of most importance in these days where we are so tempted to lose our focus, 
so tempted to despair, so tempted to be conformed to the pattern of this world, it is of utmost importance that we not misplace our worship. But God alone gets our mind's attention and heart's affection. That we love Him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And that's why I show up every Sunday, because I need you guys to help me do that. I think that's why the church is here. It's not for perfect people who never misplace their worship of God. It's for broken people, messed up people, people like John, who maybe sometimes with the right intention, we do the wrong thing, but we come and we gather together and we talk to one another, we pray with one another, we share with one another, and we stir our hearts up to worship God and to worship Him alone. It is of most importance in the days that that's what we do, worship God alone. No idols, no misplaced worship. So how should we live in these days in light of the book of Revelation? Live with wisdom, live in worship. Number three, live as a witness. Live as a witness. Look at verse 10. John says, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. He says, Don't seal up these words. Why? Because God is saying to John, I want this to be shared. I want this to be a witness. I want people to know what my word has to say. I want people to know what's in store in the future. I want this message to be carried out to everybody that will listen. And listen, Grace Life, we know the truth. God's entrusted us with His Word. He's entrusted us with the Gospel. We know that this world is wrecked with sin. We know people are lost in their darkness and they think they know how to fix it. But we know Jesus is their only hope. That He has completed the work of redemption at the cross. All that's left for them to do is what was left for me to do and for you to do. That's simply to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we might be saved. We know, according to God's Word, Jesus is coming back. We know that right now His grace is available, but we know that one day, according to His Word, His grace will no longer be available and He's going to come back to judge the world and to judge sin. So God would say to us today, don't seal that up. Don't, don't, don't conceal that truth. Don't hide that. Don't be afraid to share what you know with somebody else. Why, church, are we afraid in these days to share what we know with somebody else? If you were standing on a road and you know the bridge had washed out down there, would you just stand and wave at people as they were careening in the dark off the road to their death? No. Listen, if we believe God's word, then we believe that people are careening to eternal damnation every single second of every single moment of every single day. Why are we concealing that truth? Why have we sealed that up in our hearts? We ought to, in these days, be living in wisdom, be living in worship, and to be living as witnesses. Who do you need to tell the truth to about the Lord Jesus Christ that you haven't told? Somebody in your family, in your friend group, co-workers, people that you're meeting out and about, they need to be hearing the truth. People are desperate to know the truth. Desperate to find hope in the Lord Jesus. We need to be living as witnesses in these days. I often get asked by people, why do you think the Lord's blessed grace life? And He has, and people know that, and they'll ask me. And you know what? I think one of the reasons God has blessed our church family is because you're a church that loves the truth that Jesus is coming back. Y'all do. You just do. But the question is, are we living in light of that? 
Are we living with wisdom? Are we living in worship? Are we living as witnesses? You say, well, if, if we go and share that, not everybody's going to be saved. No, they're not. And some aren't going to like you for sharing that. Some aren't going to respond positively. They might laugh at you. They might reject you. They nailed Jesus to the cross, okay? So not everybody's going to receive that. That's not our job, y'all. I've yet to meet a human being that I could change them. I, I, I've been married to the same human being for 25 years. And we hadn't changed each other. If you can't, you can't bring about change in that kind of relationship, you forget the guy on the street, right? Only God has the power to change a heart. Our job's not to change anybody. Our job's not to get anybody saved. Our job's to go and tell. To be ready to share the hope that we have in Jesus. We leave the results between them and the Lord. I think that's what verse 11 is getting at. Let the evil evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. I think the word is saying, hey, you can't, you can't make the sinner saved. And, and you can't make the holy unsaved. Our job is to simply make sure that everybody hears the good news, that Jesus saves, and that he's coming soon. So how should we be living in these crazy days we're living in? Live in wisdom, live in worship, live as a witness. And number four, all of that while we're watching and waiting. While we're watching and waiting. Paul's going to tell the church at Thessalonica, I told you Jesus was coming back and so you quit your jobs. And you quit serving Jesus and you've been sitting on your rooftop just waiting on Jesus to come back. We want to be watching and waiting, but we want to watch and wait while we do all these other things. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Again and again and again, the Bible tells us Jesus is coming. He's coming. Listen to Jesus, what he says. Mark chapter 13, I think it is, verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge. That's us. We're his servants. He's put in charge each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Do not sleep on Jesus coming back. Stay awake. He's coming. The events of our world and Scripture I think they're lining up, but let me say it again. Even if the events in our world, even if my perceptions of them are all wrong and they're not lining up with God's word, it does not change the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Now look, in all of this, there's a big part of me that hopes the pre-COVID world comes roaring back. There's a big part of me just keeps wishing that I'm going to wake up and none of this has ever happened because we've not just experienced this stuff on the macro level but I sat with two of my close friends last night who this year became widowed there's all kinds of stuff at the micro level that I just wish we would just wake up and none of it macro and micro had ever happened But I'm not so sure that that world is coming back. I am sure that Jesus is.
I am positive. And when he appears, I want to be found in him, living in wisdom, in worship, as a witness, while watching and waiting. Will you join me in that? This is how I want to live out my days. How many I may have. Can I ask you this morning, what needs to happen in your life today for that to be true? For you to be living in wisdom, what needs to happen today? You might need to delete some accounts. You might need to turn off the news and the radio. Just being practical here to walk in wisdom. Might need to spend a lot more time in the Word and on my knees and in fellowship. Are you believing the Word of God over all the other voices? Are you obeying the Word of God over all the other choices? What needs to happen today, not only for you to live in wisdom, but what needs to happen today for you to walk in worship? Is your worship misplaced today? Is your mind's attention and your heart's affection somewhere else besides the Lord? What needs to happen today for you to live as a witness? How long are you going to wait to tell somebody who Jesus is and what he's done at the cross? How long are you going to wait? Are you, there's a lot of you that are, when Jesus, if he comes back today, you're going to leave this world and you've never told anybody what you know about Jesus. You say, I don't know how. Baloney. If you know enough gospel to believe, you know enough gospel to share. How long are you going to wait till you live as a witness? And are you watching and waiting for him to come back? Or are you watching and waiting for success or for comfort or for ease or for some dream of yours to come true, some worldly temporary gain? Listen, Grace Life, what an exciting time for us to be here. Amen? What an, it's not, hey, it's not been the easiest year, but in so many ways, this is the most exciting year I've ever experienced in my life. I'm excited because I think God is up to something massive. I'm excited because I just want to live out my days crazy in a crazy world. Young men, young women, I want to encourage you to be crazy. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. And you wait on a godly man, you wait on a godly woman, and then you get married in a godly marriage. I just told a young couple a minute ago, the most important thing then you can do is to commit your life to a local church, Bible-believing church. Surround yourself with peers who are going to love you and pray for you and pray over you and walk with you through the ups and the downs, the successes and the defeats. Have a lot of children. A lot of them. And work hard. And take responsibility. You will be crazy because this world is against all that. Let's be crazy, people of God. 
And let's walk in wisdom, not in foolishness. Let's know there's an authority over our life called the Word of God. We're not willy-nilly just going with our heart. I'm just going to go with my heart. Don't go with your heart. Your heart's desperately wicked. I'm going to go with truth, the truth of God's Word. I'm going to live crazy, and I'm going to live by this book. And I'm going to live at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to be crazy about worshiping Him and be devoted to Him. I'm going to love Him with all my heart and soul and mind. Let's live crazy like that in these crazy days that we're living in. And let's tell everybody we can about the hope that we know in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't conceal it. Don't hide it. Don't keep it covered up. But share at every opportunity and believe that the Holy Spirit's going to draw people to salvation. Let's live crazy like that in this crazy world. And let's just keep watching and waiting and watching and waiting. Like the little kids in the special needs class the day that they heard the story that Jesus was coming back. And every day for the rest of that week, the windows to the play yard were covered up with fingerprints and nose prints. Because all they could think about was Jesus is coming back. May the wind the pains of our lives be covered up with the prints of our fingers and noses in these days that we find ourselves in. God, we bow our hearts before you today, grateful for your love grateful for your grace, grateful for your son Jesus. And grateful, God, that you have chosen us to live for such a time as this. Lord, we are rejoicing. God, as we stand on the truth of your word and we know, we know where this world is headed. It is not out of control. It is not up for grabs. The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. And one day we know according to your word, you're going to make all things new. But between that day and this day, we want to be found in you, Jesus. Walking in wisdom, living in worship, living as a witness while we watch and wait for the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords to come and to make all things new. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts up this day and in this moment. That we would be a holy and a sanctified kind of crazy. For your glory and for our joy, we ask it in Jesus' good name. Let's stand, church.